That child, when they're outside on their bike, the last thing that they have to worry about is fear of the dark. Why? Because the sun's out. So it is, when you're in heaven, any fear will be dispelled by the Son of God. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, this is Jim Scudder, and you're listening to In Grace. Uh, today, we are concluding our series called Answers. And what we're doing is answering Bible questions from people like you uh, with the Bible's answers. And the Bible's full of of all the answers to all the questions we can ever ask. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, the first question is, can a Christian be indwelt uh, by a demon or Satan? And was Judas, Judas Iscariot, possessed? And so we'll answer that one. And then also uh, somebody says in Revelation 21.4, it talks about uh, people in heaven having tears uh, so will we have tears in heaven? Uh, will we have sorrow in heaven? So we'll answer these questions and more, and I think this will be really, really helpful to go through these things and to think through biblically these really good Bible questions. Right before we get into our final message called Answers, uh, we would love to remind you that this entire series, it's a, a multi-part CD series called Answers is available. This is the last week we'll be mentioning that you can get that. You can call us at 1-800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com and ask for the CD series called Answers. Next question. I have heard that a Christian cannot be indwelt by a demon or Satan because the Holy Spirit indwells us. And I... I believe that is a true statement. Uh, and I also believe that it's more than just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that would keep a, a believer from being indwelt by, the, by a demon or Satan. The question, though, is, was Judas actually possessed by Satan or a demon and therefore not saved? Excellent question. Uh, we, we look at uh, Luke 22, verse 3, then entered Satan into Judas. Okay. So the Bible tells us that Satan entered into Judas. I believe if Judas was a true believer, he could not be entered into by a demon or by Satan himself. Okay? The question continues, if he was possessed, why would he feel so bad? Why did he regret the betrayal of the Lord? And it does say that in Matthew 27, 3, that when uh, he realized what he had done, he repented. That is not the same as repentance for salvation, which is a change of mind. I'm a sinner, and I put my trust in the Savior. Um, in this instance, I believe this repentance is simply remorse that's leading to despair. Okay, I believe Judas Iscariot wasn't saved. I believe that Satan did enter into him. And then in, in Matthew and Acts, it tells us that he went out and hanged himself. It's awful. It's hideous. It's horrible. The question continues, since Judas clearly recognizes Jesus' innocence and his own sin, as we just read here, and since the Holy Spirit didn't indwell every believer until after Jesus' uh, resurrection and ascension, is it possible that Judas was in fact a believer who lost his way and was possessed by Satan at that time? Again, I don't believe that anyone that has put their faith in the coming Savior or the Savior that has come can be possessed by a demon or by the devil. The Bible does clearly talk about demon possession. 
But let's go back to Judas. In John 17, 12, it says, those that thou gavest me, Jesus is talking to the Father, I have kept, none of them is lost, but he does say the son of perdition. That's Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Then you say, oh, poor Judas, he had no choice. He had to betray Jesus. No, he did not. God knew he would. God knew he would, but he had every opportunity, probably more opportunities than anyone else on this planet to be saved, and he did not do it. He was never a believer. I'm positive. Now, Jesus also said that it would be better if he'd never been born, the one that would betray him. And then John also, we read about this in John 13 too, after supper being ended, the devil, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And then at the end of the chapter, it says after the sop or after the, the uh, signal that of who it would be, the bread, uh, Satan entered into him. So once again, I feel like there's, there's no possibility that Judas was truly saved. And I also believe that that means that there are people that act um, but haven't really understood their sin and put their trust in the Savior. It's, it's more of you're here for another reason or you're doing it for another reason. I'm not telling you that to question your salvation. I'm not. Because if you have received by faith Jesus as your Savior, at any time in your life, you're born again. And that can never change. Okay? But Christians can be oppressed. Oppressed. Not possessed. Oppressed by the devil. How do I know that? Because Ephesians 6 tells you to what? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He cannot possess you, a demon cannot possess you, but they can trick you as a Christian every day, put on the whole armor of God. What is the whole armor of God? You read Ephesians 6 on your own and figure that out. Question, does Revelation 21.4 mean those currently in heaven shed tears or have sorrow until that time when Christ wipes away our tears? Good question. Revelation 21 verse 4 does say that God will wipe away all, what, tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, sorrow, crying, pain. The former things are passed away. If you love that verse, say amen. Amen. If you really love that verse, say amen. That's better. <laughs> I can't wait for that day, and I think there might be tears in heaven when you see your loved ones that are there, when you see Jesus' face, tears of joy. There might be tears of of disappointment when you are at the judgment seat of Christ and you realize all the things that you might have done and you didn't. But there will be a day when God wipes away all tears. And we don't have to worry about that anymore. Do you want to explore the rich history and fascinating mysteries of the Holy Land? From the breathtaking landscapes to the hidden gems buried beneath the surface, Discover Hidden Israel 2 will transport you to places few have ever seen. With a gift of any amount to Ingrace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series, Discover Hidden Israel 1 and 3. Call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com. If you want to take your exploration to the next level, with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive Ingrace's entire Israel bundle, featuring a collection of eight captivating video series filmed in Israel. To get your hands on these incredible offers, call 800-78-GRACE. Go to ingraceradio.com. 
or write to Ingrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That's 800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Question, how do you respond to those who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and exhibit it by speaking in tongues? I'll tell you this, I do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a very biblical concept. Not in the way that the, the person's probably asking the question because some people believe that once you're saved, you have to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then when that happens, now you start to speak in tongues. And that's evidence that you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, which is evidence that you really were saved. That's not biblical. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is biblical. The Bible says when you put your trust in Christ, immediately he baptizes you with his Spirit and we're indwelt by the Spirit until the day of redemption as a guarantee of our inheritance in heaven. And we can use the power of the Spirit that indwells us to accomplish the will of God in our life. And we are baptized by the Spirit into the body of believers. I believe in spirit baptism. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, there's plenty of other passages, but, but this one I think says it really Really clearly, by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, whether uh, we have been all made to drink into one spirit. So spirit baptism is biblical, and that happens at the very moment of faith. That's what happens, a spiritual thing. It's really cool. Now, what about tongues? Um, some people today speak in tongues. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel that that is a biblical practice today. So what's happening, I don't know. I can't tell you what's happening, but I don't believe it's a biblical thing today. Why? Well, there were sign gifts that were part of the early church. There were prophecy, there was healings, and there were tongues. Tongues wasn't gibberish. It was a known language. I would love to speak in tongues because when I'm traveling abroad, if I want to find a bathroom, you know, it, or a restaurant, or witness to someone, wouldn't it be nice just to start speaking that language that you didn't know? That's tongues, okay? Uh, and I also feel 1 Corinthians 13, 10 says, uh, and this is a whole nother, this is a whole sermon, I don't have time to answer, but this verse is what I go to to understand that the sign gifts have ceased. Once the church has been established, which it has, basically by the time of the end of Acts, the church is established, I believe those sign gifts slowly faded away. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, that which is perfect is come. What is that which is perfect? I believe it's the scriptures. The scriptures were completed. The canon was canonized. All the, the books of the Bible were, were finished. And now we have that which is perfect is come. That which is in part shall be done away. That which is in part, I believe, are the sign gifts. So uh, to answer your question, yes, I believe in the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I do not believe tongues are for today. Okay? And that's the position of our our church and ministry. The next question is this. Can you lose rewards due to sin? And there was another question very similar to this, and I'll answer both of those questions. Can you lose rewards due to sin? What are some of the rewards the Bible talks about? There's crowns. The crowns of what? Crowns of glory, crowns of righteousness, crowns of rejoicing, the incorruptible crown of life. Okay, um, uh, these are crowns, but you'll also receive other rewards. The Bible speaks of rewards. And that's for doing the will of God and, and being faithful to what God has called us to do. It's a very, very biblical concept. Can you lose rewards? 
again, you cannot lose your salvation. But you can lose rewards. You can lose rewards. How? If you don't long for Jesus' return, if you're not faithfully serving him, if you're not being thankful, if you're not withstanding suffering, if you're not laying for yourselves treasures in heaven, if you're not controlling your tongue, if you're not using your time wisely for the Lord, if you're not giving someone who is thirsty a cup of cold water, you can lose the reward that you would have had if you had done those things. Some of the rewards, by the way, I think are, are earned instantly, like the cup of cold water. I think if you do that, you have a reward that you cannot lose. But I think a lot of those crowns and rewards are tied into a faithfulness to the end. And if you're not faithful to the end, then you're not going to gain that reward. So in, in a sense, you would lose that reward. Matthew 10.42 tells us that if you give to drink unto those little ones a cup of cold water in the uh, name of a disciple... I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Does that mean that you can lose a reward? I certainly do believe that you can lose a reward that you may have had if you had been faithful or if you had been longing for the return of Christ. You won't have that reward that you could have had. And I think that's what those tears are at the judgment seat of Christ, possibly. And then Revelation 3.11, it also says, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. So I believe it is possible to lose rewards or at the very least to not gain a reward that you may have had if you had accomplished whatever God had called you to do in your life. But you cannot lose your salvation, amen? But I don't want to lose either, right? Let's be faithful all the way to the end. Okay, here is the final question of the series for, for now. Is it wrong to feel called to be a stay-at-home mom? You know, this is a funny term, which I, I understand what the person's asking, but there's no mom in the world that wants to stay at home all the time, right? You want to get out a little bit, right? Even if you don't work for a living, if you're not working outside the home, you certainly don't want to stay at home all the time. You got to get out of that house, right? So it's kind of a funny term. I know what, I know what it means, though. I know we're called to be keepers at home, and that is biblical, okay? Titus tells the older women to teach the younger women to be keepers at home. That's a biblical concept, okay? So I know we're called to be keepers at home, and I know I'm working in full-time ministry. I just can't help but to think I should be taking care of things at home. Listen, you should be taking care of things at home. That's a biblical concept. That's what God wants you to do. You say, well, that doesn't answer the question, does it? Okay, here's my answer to this question, because this is impacted my life. This is something that my wife and I talked about, of course, when we were uh, younger. Let me give you some, some scripture, okay? This is how we answer this one. 1 Timothy 5.14 says that younger women should marry. Now, we're not saying every younger woman has to marry, but this, generally speaking, marry, bear children, and guide the house. Again, lining up with what Titus says. Keepers at home, guide the house. We know that's a biblical concept, but there's a problem, and the problem that I've seen in our society with women that are stay-at-home moms, in some situations, not every, but some, is what's warned in the verse before this. What's the verse before this? Verse 13 is the warning. Here's the problem. They learn to be idle. 
Idleness is a real serious temptation if you are a stay-at-home mom. Now, I got more letters when I said this a couple years ago on the radio than I've ever gotten in my life. So what I might be saying to you, you might not think is super popular, but I'm just trying to tell you what I feel, and I believe it's a scriptural thing. Wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers, busybodies, speaking things that they ought not. That's the problem. So listen, when you want light in your house, what do you do? You flip a switch. What did they used to do? They had to grow an olive tree and pick an olive and press the olive and put it into a lamp and light the lamp. If they wanted to uh, get some water, hot or cold, they would have to walk down to a well and pull it out and carry it back and put it into another vessel. And then if they wanted warm water, they'd have to build a fire and heat up the water. What do you have to do today? Turn a knob. Whew. If you wanted to preserve food, you would have to dry it or smoke it or, or something because food's not gonna last. What do you have to do? Open a door and the light turns on, and there's all this food, and it starts falling out all over the place. We live in an amazing time. We live better than they have ever lived in the history of the world. Almost all of us do. If you wanted to get to church, what did you do today? You may have had to take a key and put it into a slot and turn it, or maybe you pushed a button. You didn't have to go out and feed the, the horse and clean the manure and hitch up a wagon. My goodness. If idleness was a problem then, it can be a real problem now. So, I'll just tell you what we felt, and this is up to you, okay? This is, this is your decision, and this is what you need to do. There are plenty of people that have no choice. You have to both work. A, a priority has to be the home. The priority has to be the kids, so you've got to find that balance. You might not have, be able to do Disney and Hawaii and all this crazy expensive stuff. You can do a lot cheaper fun things, Okay? Um, so you can save some money by just being more careful uh, and, and, you know, maybe not have to work as many hours. Okay. Uh, or, or in ministry. So here's, here's our situation. Karen chose, she didn't have to choose full-time ministry or keep her at home. You know what she did? She says, I'm going to do both. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Now, if you're going to do both, what that means for the husband is you step up. You cannot come home and flop down on the couch and start flipping the channels. You're going to have to help out. If your wife works part-time or full-time, you had better step up. Now, you may have to work so that you can put your kids in a great, uh, don't put them in a public school, put them in a Christian school. Do you want your kids in a public school? Do you want to homeschool your kids? Now, you might, and that's fine. There are plenty of people that homeschool. God bless you. But I think all, all the people that have left here and had to homeschool because they didn't have a, a good Christian school, they're like, oh, this is a lot harder than we thought, right? So be careful about the grass that's greener on the other side of the fence. We happen to have an amazing situation where we have an incredible preschool with loving people, schools, and, and so in my wife's situation, she kept the home and she, she uh, was in, in ministry. So that's your decision, but I gave you some scriptural things to look at and hopefully answered your Bible questions. Here's one thing that I just absolutely love. I love that I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I know for sure that my name is written in the book of life with permanent ink. It can never be blotted out. 
I'm on my way to heaven. Now, I don't want to disappoint the Lord by doing something stupid and losing rewards or not gaining rewards I could have had, but I don't have to worry about hell anymore. Because when I was young, I understood I was a sinner. I put my trust in Jesus as my Savior, that he came, God in flesh, God incarnate, veiled his glory, veiled his ability and his powers, and died on the cross as a servant for my sins. I trusted in him. He rose again. He's coming back. We don't know when, but he's coming back. And I want to serve him. I want to serve him. By the way, you don't serve him to get rewards. You don't serve him because he's coming back. You serve him because he is worthy and you love him. But these other things are really cool. And I'm glad that he wants to reward us for our faithfulness. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you received him? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. He is perfect. Our sin separates us from him. And we cannot get rid of this sin ourselves. So what are we going to do? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not about you trying to be better because you can never be good enough. It's about you putting your faith in Jesus. When he died on the cross, he paid for your sin. When you believe in him, you're in his hand, and you cannot get out. Isn't that wonderful? That's the gospel. That's salvation. That is the light bulb for a lot of people. They've tried to be religious. They've tried to reform themselves. They've tried to be better. They find that they're always failing in that because you can't save yourself. Put your faith in Jesus. He died for you. He was sinless. He was perfect. He rose again. And if you'll believe in him, you'll be saved. Not just today, but forever. Isn't that glorious? Well, we've just wrapped up the answer series, and I hope that you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the most important answer you'll ever have. And the question is, what do I need to do to be saved? The Bible says, just believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins and rose again, and he alone could get you to heaven. Put your trust in him and him alone. And then the Bible says you're saved. You're born again, and that can never change. And then we can learn how to be the person God wants us to be, whatever vocation, whatever situation in life, he can help us know what to do and how to live. And that's all a result of our salvation because we put our trust in him. Now he's available to help us and to guide us through this life and to help us to find our purpose and to bring him glory. We are so excited about this series. And some of you have asked, how do I get the series? The series called Answers. What we'll do is just uh, put it on our website or uh, you can call us and order it. Uh, it's a CD series, multi-part CD series called Answers. Contact us and get that series. This will be the last chance that we'll mention that. And then also don't forget that tomorrow on our Friday and weekend edition of In Grace, we're going to be featuring the second part of our Discover Hidden Israel 2 series where Dr. Scott Stripling and I go and explore the city of David in Jerusalem and we go and look at something called, well, I think it's Melchizedek's altar and that's also where David brought the Ark of the Covenant to before his son Solomon built the temple. And so this is really exciting stuff. You, you really need to hear this tomorrow, but you also might wanna see it. So our offer of the month is this, Discover Hidden Israel 2, 
will be sent to all of you that make a gift of any amount to In Grace. Remember, your gifts will go 100% toward ministry. It will go toward making sure more people hear the gospel. And then you'll get this as a thank you, either by DVD or digital download, Discover Hidden Israel 2. If your gift is $35 or more, our staff is going to send you Discover Hidden Israel 1, 2, and 3, all three very exciting videos with incredible places that we visit in Israel, including jumping into a Dead Sea sinkhole in the Dead Sea area and finding fish. That's cool. That's on Discover Hidden Israel 3. Now, if you give a gift of $100 or more, those of you that can do that, we're going to send you the entire Israel bundle. Uh, So we would love to hear from you today. With a gift of any amount to In Grace, Jim Scudder will send you Discover Hidden Israel 2 as his heartfelt thank you. For a gift of $35 or more, you'll also receive two additional video series. And with a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive In Grace's entire Israel bundle, including eight video series filmed in Israel. Call 800-78-GRACE, go to ingraceradio.com, or write to In Grace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.